2: action fanatics welcome to another edition of the bulletproof podcast chris the brain and chad cruz with you and chad how are things with you
0: things are well thanks for asking brain
2: oh of course of course and you know what we we're not a, alone on this one. This time we've got uh, he's back. It hasn't been that long, but he's back. Ryan Campbell, welcome back to the show.
1: That's right. The people demanded that I return. Uh, they were not happy with as long as I was between my last visit. So here I am back, back, and we have got
2: quite the movie in store for everyone on this episode. And it had to be quite a movie because I got news for you, Chad. If it was a lesser movie. Yes. I think I just want to continue to talk about Iron Eagle, which was our last episode and one of my favorites that we've ever done. I love, absolutely love, Iron Eagle.
0: Yeah, Iron Eagle is a, it's a very fun movie. It's a great movie. It was a it was a wonderful podcast, maybe among the best ever recorded in history. But wow. it does not compare to the movie that we're going to be talking about today. No, no because this doesn't. film is as close to perfect. As it gets,
1: yeah, it is action film royalty
2: on the yeah. on the Mount Rushmore for sure, yes. absolutely, and the most action action movie possibly of all time. Um, and we're going to get into it, and we are going to get into it right now. We're not going to waste your time on this episode. Well, I'm we, sure I, it's in the title. You probably of the will, <laughs> we yeah, we'll waste exactly. your time at some point. I guarantee, actually, I guarantee you, we will waste your time at some point as we go on through this. But we're talking about a movie that is going to celebrate its 35th anniversary this Sunday, June the 12th, 1987 was the release date. It is predator starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Really? When you think about it, Chad, his first big summer blockbuster movie.
0: Yeah, it really is. I mean, he had already done commando and Conan and stuff like that, but, um, predator, I think is the, is the movie that propelled him to, a into superstar status because, while, while this movie has an amazing cast of characters, uh, there's no one, uh, maybe aside, Carl Weathers is great, and and he, he led some movies himself, but there's no one else in this cast that could carry a film, quite like Arnold.
1: It's also in that fine line, that very small, narrow space, before he kind of really started leaning into some of the more gimmicky stuff about him as a character. Not to say that the movies that came after this weren't, but like the accent and just the whole mystique of Arnold started kind of became part of the character that he played in all his films. Anyway, this is like in that sweet spot where before he really kind of dove all in into that, but was still just playing it about as straight as could be. And it was
2: just perfect in this movie. And I'm glad you mentioned the Carl Weathers because what a wonderful human being he is. And at that point, you know, he had, you would mostly associate Carl Weathers with Sylvester Stallone, the other big action icon of yeah. the time but now here he is kind of almost changing tag team partners he's now with arnold schwarzenegger and that was a, a huge deal just in in and of itself just like oh cool carl weathers is going to be in a movie with arnold now that you know just that knowledge was was something to be excited about for me anyway
1: it's like when someone was in is in like a marvel and a dc film and it's like what what <laughs>
2: Yeah, he, he's he's covering all his bases. Is Carl Weathers who plays Dylan, and uh, you know that's kind of one of the first uh, characters we meet is Dylan and Dutch, yeah. and the most famous handshake possibly in all of action movie, maybe all of cinema history. Chad
0: Cruz, Dylan, you son of a bitch. I also,
1: think- has, has anybody in film history ever rocked a ball cap better than Carl Weathers in this movie? I I don't think so. He just I mean, owns that like boxy '80s, early '90s ball cap.
0: And you, and you know that that first scene that we do see, meet Carl Weathers when we get to meet Dylan, like you said, Brain. Um, you, you instantly recognize without being told that there's a history between these two guys, right? We get the handshake, the cool ass handshake where they're where they're uh, they're both flexing their biceps. They're they're uh, they're doing a the little pretend arm wrestling. Um, I don't think either one of them could beat Lincoln Hawk, no arm wrestling. But they're they're arm wrestling, and then of course Arnold gets the great line after he's kind of defeated him. You know, uh, what's the matter? CIA got you pushing too many pencils.
2: Listen to that, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, That's pretty good. He was he's like, he's committed to
0: it. What's his fucking tie business. It's <laughs> uh, so good. And, and have you, you know, seen Ar- this
2: movie a time or two, Chad?
0: Uh, I've seen it many times. Yes, um, but it, it's just so good because you know, like you said, we're we're learning about these two characters and the camaraderie they have together and. And there's a scene that follows this shortly after where they're on the chopper and Carl Weathers or Dylan is pulling out this, uh, a lighter and it's got an insignia on it. And he's like telling stories about him and Dutch and their past together. And uh, I mean, it's totally something that guys in the military do. You know what I mean? Like when you have these little totems that you carry around that, that connect you to somebody. And, and once you've made it to their level, you've probably got a bunch of those totems. You don't just have one insignia that you carry around. So it, it totally makes sense that some guy who, who would be around in that world for that long would have these connections with guys like Dutch. And I don't know, it's just a, it's a great scene. You know, we don't know anything about these guys other than they're two badasses with giant muscles.
1: Well, I think you touched on something that I think is one of the strongest aspects of this movie is the idea that it shows it doesn't tell, which is something that Hollywood movies just cannot do anymore. Like right. they, this movie does not hold the hand of the audience. It doesn't assume that its audience are idiots. Like almost everything that we know, the, the, the backgrounds, even of all these characters kind of as they kind of fill in their space and their role, uh, the way the Predator kind of learns throughout the, the movie – You know everything is shown and and explained and kind of like we are led there as opposed to someone just spitting it out to us on screen. You know, assuming that we're too stupid to to like look and see what's going on, which is it's just a a refreshing to watch it. And there's just no film, especially a blockbuster that's supposed to make you know hundreds of millions of dollars, that does that anymore these days. Well,
2: and I think it goes to also there's no wasted motion in this movie Mm -hmm. at all it gets right to it we we meet our two main guys dylan and dutch uh and then we have that awesome helicopter scene that you mentioned chad where in that little bit you get long tall sally going
0: Mm -hmm. little
2: richard you you see enough of these guys to to your point ryan is that's all we need to know we'll figure it out as we go i mean i don't need to know every individual person's backstory in this in this chopper but I'm on board i'm I'm intrigued by what I've seen so far I'm in so let's just keep going and uh let's keep going let's talk about it. and the first character I want to talk about what the poncho mm-hmm. awesome character as, as I mean I don't think there's a weak character in this movie but all the other actors in this movie you could say oh I, this, he's in this and that and this and that I know him from here he did this he did where the hell does this Richard Chavez come from?
0: He uh, Vietnam vet. He was a, a he had written some, uh, done some screenwriting, I believe, and had was in a play. Uh, I think it was out in L.A. about the Vietnam War with some of his buddies, and he was spotted. Uh, I don't know if it was Joel Silver who who found him or not. But when they when John McKiernan was 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 coming up with the cast for this for this movie, they knew they were filming in Mexico. They knew they were going to need people who could kind of handle themselves. Could 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 you know, cut it in the jungle could be tough and look tough at the same time. But also, they didn't have time to train some of these guys on how to how to carry a weapon, how to move through the jungle. And Richard Chavez kind of checked all those boxes. And, and I mean, he's as perfect as a as a bit player as you can get for the character of Pancho. I mean, he's just so damn good. Every yeah. line he utters seems like something that a human being would say. And yeah, not, I
2: mean, he's all the, right. I think the bigger shock is why didn't he do more in the action mm-hmm. world after this?
0: Right. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And you know, he is overshadowed in this film because he doesn't, he's not bulging with muscles. Uh And he is really kind of like the uh generic soldier in this one, if you will, you know, not, not, not that it's, that's a hit on him, but you've got the kind of the Indian tracker, Billy, you've got, Uh, the, the, the duo of Mac and Blaine and Blaine's got his MTV shirt and his giant minigun. And you've got, you know, of course, Dutch just rippling muscles. And and Dylan's a CIA guy. I mean, everybody's got their gimmick. Hawkins is telling jokes and he's carrying the communications equipment and Poncho is just generic badass. Like he's just another guy.
1: Yeah. Well, I like about his character though, is, is, you know, you you drop yourself into this situation and, Sure, you're probably going to want answers. You're going to want to know what this thing is, where it came from, and all that's crossing your head. His character just seems to be like, none of that matters. All that matters is surviving. It doesn't matter, you know. While while other people may be running around, losing their cool, freaking out, like shooting in the to the you know vastness of the jungle, screaming, he's just like, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be an alien. It could just be the spirit of the jungle. Whatever it is, we're going to die unless we fight this thing. And so he just like narrows in and just does this yeah. thing doesn't doesn't ask questions doesn't care what it is but it's it's between him and survival and that's that's his obstacle it doesn't matter
0: there's there's a great thing about this film that i think makes it so easy to re-watch and to love and we talked about kind of the uh the way that it's it's set up right there it's it's a very simple story but it's very mission oriented right you go to ranger school and like you you you, you get a mission and then once you accomplish that mission, you say, all right, you know, now you're the squad leader. Here's your new mission. You got five minutes to, to to go do this thing. And you just get it. And once you finish that mission, you get another mission. And that's kind of how this movie is. We see them getting the mission briefing from the general, from General Phillips. Uh, so we're learning at the same time they're learning about their mission. And what happens when they accomplish their mission? They get a new mission. Now we got to hump it through the valley and find an extraction. But guess what? something fucks up and now our new mission is survival. Right. So it, it's just like one after another it never stops because that the pacing doesn't allow it because it's so mission oriented. Like at no point do, do they really even rest except for, you know, after Blaine plane gets killed and they kind of, you know, hunker down for the night.
1: Well, I think you mentioned it there again, Chad, is, is the idea that we're also on this mission with them. Mm-hmm. There's very little information we as the audience get that before they get it. Uh, so as they're going through it, a lot of the, the details they're finding out, the secrets they're finding out, even the reveal of you know the monster itself, we don't really get before they get it. So we're kind of on this journey with them, and it, the story's being unraveled to us as it's being unraveled to them, and then eventually even the Predator is revealed to them as it's revealed to us. So it's kind of a cool way that, like again, movies aren't made this way anymore. Where you know they withhold all this information from us, and we kind of learn it in bits and pieces. Uh, but it really like it, it ties you into the group because we're kind of in that we're in it with them. We're literally seeing the movie through their eyes.
2: Yeah, really. I mean, at the beginning, before the predator aspect, the only one who really knows everything that's going on is Dylan, and then he even he ends up getting thrown for a loop. Right. Once this uh, once guys start dropping like flies and dying in very. Uh, non traditional ways, I guess you would say, in in the combat world.
0: Yeah, and you know, part of the the reason they kind of go with that scheme, I think, is because of the, uh, you know, when they filmed the when they made the movie. Of course, everybody knows that you know Jean-Claude Van Damme at one point was was like in this costume as the as the Predator, and that looked like shit. And that kind of they had to kind of call an audible. But m- most of the movie was filmed, just none of the scenes with the Predator in it. So they took all this footage to, their, uh, to the studio and said, hey, look how great this looks. We want more money, and we want to go back out and shoot more. And I think that the studio looked at it and were like, oh, my God, this movie looks fucking sweet. Uh, here's the money. Go do this. So Yeah, it, and that doesn't it, you know, happen
2: that often in no. Hollywood, for sure. I know one other example would be Invasion USA, and what a freaking awesome movie that is as well. Two for two. You mentioned Hawkins. The man with the a million vagina jokes, mm-hmm. uh, played by Shane Black. Of course, Shane Black uh, didn't really go on to do much more in the way. I mean, he d- did more roles, but right. his uh, notoriety in the action world isn't about acting. It's about the amazing writing he's done.
0: Chad, correct? Yeah, and and I think part of that writing is what got him the role here. You know, they if we get him to Mexico and we put him in our movie <laughs> and hand him a script. He's going to do some rewrites, which he did. And, uh, you know, I couldn't tell you which parts he rewrote, but uh, there's some amazing lines in this film. And, you know, we've talked about a couple already. And I I really wish that the the man of a thousand, what what'd you call him? The man of a thousand vaginas.
2: (laughs) Vagina jokes. (laughs) Jokes, jokes. I mean, he may have had a thousand (laughs) vaginas. And if he did good for him.
0: That would be a wonderful, like, Lucha Libre name. Yes. Armbar. Armbar
2: mill uh never mind
0: vaginos yeah
2: uh something there you go you also mentioned the tracker played by the one and only sunny lanham billy uh and you know this he's talking about an intense individual
0: uh i mean he's a, he looks like a sociopath already just by looking at the guy and uh if you look at like some of his career work he'd already worked with uh uh on on 48 hours he'd worked on uh one of those other prison movies, I can't remember what it was, and he was on The Warriors uh, with our friend Craig R. Baxley. And uh, they, when they put him on the set here, they they had bodyguard with him, but they said that the bodyguard showed up one day and quit because he was threatening to throw him off. So uh, I think that when you get guys like that, these egos and these just crazed people, have awesome stories. And I don't think there's any shortage of great stories from the set of Predator.
2: No, no, not at all. And then you mentioned it as well earlier—the kind of a tag team: Jesse Ventura as Blaine, Bill Duke as Mac. And I'm gonna say, if I had to pick a favorite character, I would go with Blaine, and I'm going to be extremely biased as to why. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think I think we all know why.
2: <laughs> Obviously, the 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 WWF connection, but more so. I mean, him being in this movie was a, a big deal obviously for him and i just think for wrestling in general helped kind of started paving the way for more guys uh, to do what they're doing in hollywood from the wrestling world but jesse ventura leaving wwf for a while to do this movie opened the door for the gorilla monsoon and bobby the brain and duo to come together because up until that point it was jesse and gorilla all the time and uh i mean so wrestling history change by Jesse Ventura being in predator and uh next man uh, up you know it's just a I, I can't even imagine what wrestling would be without heenan and monsoon I don't hey, even yeah. want to imagine it
1: and that's just a side note there it happens all the time I mean even recently with you know the the kind of freak out session there where people thought Roman reigns may be retiring early or going into Hollywood and the thought was there's nobody set to take over and it's that's always how it's been. When whenever you feel like that, someone has someone steps up, and we, there's you know we wouldn't have some of the people we have unless they didn't fill in those voids. So, but yeah, it's an interesting story that he did it against Vince's wishes, and the only reason he was able to come back is because NBC was not going to do. Dick you know, Ever wanted right? Yep, yeah, he wasn't going to let him do you know Saturday Night's Made event unless they had Jesse.
2: And then you got Bill Duke, who is. He might be. He might steal this movie at times, Chad.
0: He does. I mean, he brings a different element to the, to the crew, to the group, that none of them else have. And, and it, you know, you from the first moment he's on screen, you know, as they're getting off that helicopter, if you look at how they're all dressed, do you remember what Mac was wearing?
2: Oh, I just watched this the other night. Uh-huh. No, I, I can't say that I do though. I, off the top, I know MTV for Jesse or B. right.
0: So most of, you know, Dutch has got that awesome red polo and, you know, Blaine's got that kind of cut off MTV shirt on. Mac is wearing a suit, which somehow suits him very well. Like he's just like different guy. Like they're, you know, they're flying into, into a zone, combat zone and and he's just like shaving silently in the corner.
2: That's like his little, uh,
0: that's his gimmick. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He has that gimmick. Always shaving.
0: And he, and he and, you know, him and Blaine talked about as, you know, this duo. These guys have served together and, in some real hairy situations, uh, much like Dylan and Dutch. But these guys have like this extreme closeness that you only get when, you know, you walk out of the shit with somebody. So
1: I almost feel cool. like not to say he's the moral center, but he's kind of the center of the group. If, if you're going to combine all the personalities of the whole group into one, it's probably who Mac is. He kind of has a, a relationship with each one on its own level. Um, he can play both the, you know, the kind of the, the, the serious, super serious role. He can also play the authoritarian kind of like head, head second in command kind of role. Right. But also, you know, he can lose his shit at one point and kind of play this, the sketched out like freaking out character role so he's kind of like the core center of the group and then can be everybody kind of rolled into one
0: and he doesn't really fit the you know you talk about these military movies and and especially now the way they do them you know a lot of them they just kind of use these as a blueprint use aliens use predators a blueprint with the with the marines and the soldiers and you have like these stereotypes you know you've got billy he's the indian tracker why do we do that but you talk about like the you know in the 19th century you know cav units always had a scout they had a scout out there tracking people on this and that so we'll put an indian scout in there you know you always got to have the big bruiser guy with a huge gun so we'll put blaine in there with this giant mini gun that's ridiculous that no one should carry in the jungle <laughs> i mean you know how much weight that would not the not the weapon system itself but the rounds would that would be like hundreds of pounds of rounds. So it would just be insane. So, you know, and aliens did it with Drake and they had Vasquez and predators got poncho. So you've got like all these elements that you, all the movies that we love have done them in a similar fashion. And Mac is the one that kind of stands out because he doesn't really fit. uh, The stereotype as as all the others do, but his connection, I think like you said, Ryan is, he kind of uh, is the, the glue that holds all the team members together.
2: Yeah, and you know one of the things about Predator, again, I said the most action-packed action movie that maybe ever was, and, and part of the reason is there's there's no romantic storyline, there's no child actors involved at, at all, but there is a, a bit of a bromance, and it is between Mac and Blaine, really. When wow. you know, because like you said, Chad, these guys have been through it, so when Blaine goes down, you know that really that's where you get that little bit of an emotional. Storyline in there, and it's not. It takes a that little step away from pure action. That's really the only point in the movie that it does.
1: Well, and and Blaine's that character that if if everybody in that group had to say who in this team is least likely to ever get off, they all probably would have said Blaine. So he's one of those larger than life figures that you just assume is is you know impervious to anything and will never. You know, we'll never even die of old age; just live forever. Uh, and when he goes, so when he goes down, that's really when it becomes real. Even to the point, kind of Dylan mentions that the Dutch a few times about, you know, oh, it's just two guys out there, and he's like, uh, no, you know, they got blame. It's not. <laughs> and this right. is serious now.
0: And you know, it's funny is uh, we talk about like how great these guys are and their and their smaller roles next to Arnold and Carl Weathers, but they uh, they they're so well cast now yes sunny land looks like he could be an indian tracker uh blaine is a, a huge uh you know brawling badass ah. um but also so richard ah. chavez who played Pancho, he he did a tour in vietnam he was in 101st airborne so what what are we going to use his skills for let's rappel let's have him rappel out of a helicopter in the film which he does let's have him climb a rope which he's done many a time because he was in the 101st airborne like so I think they, they use some of these skills that these guys had and it just makes them look all the cooler on screen.
2: And to break up the uh, sausage party, we do have one female character, Anna, who becomes a, a, a basically an unofficial member of the team as this thing goes on. but at first they you know she's another one. It, you know there's mystery behind her as well, Ryan.
1: Yeah, I, she's uh, definitely one of those kind of – and you, you need that character, whether sometimes it is a kid, uh, like like it would be in, in Aliens. Um, but, yeah, you need kind of that person who is outside the group that kind of throws a wrench into it a little bit that they either have to carry along, and there usually is some sort of mystery or backstory or you know correlation to whatever the threat is there that uh, allows them to give a little bit of exposition, but also in this one um, – you know, kind of gives them a reason to kind of keep going.
2: And yeah. she's one of the, she returns for the second one, which I think she's the only one who returns for the second one, Chad.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, we just briefly get to see, was it just on a video, I believe. Isn't she just ended up briefly on a video in the second i Yeah.
2: I'm, uh, it's been so long since yeah, I've okay. seen the second one. I, I couldn't tell you,
0: but it's important information for, for the film in the second one, but yeah, I mean, she makes, she creates a pivot in the film, you know, uh, if they, they, they complete their mission at the village. Um, if they're on their own, if it's only them, how quickly could they move from that village to the extraction point? Probably pretty fast. Well, what's the problem? Okay. So now we have a new wrench in the system. We've got a prisoner that we need because CIA guy wants him, And we've got enemy troops that are, kind of bearing down on them from the direction of travel that they were going to take. So now we're being forced not only to to move faster with the prisoner, now we got to move through territory that we, we are going to have difficulties with. So, you know, there's a lot of wrenches being thrown in there and then guess what? There's a fucking predator trying to kill him.
1: And then we find out she can speak English this whole time, at least a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. And, and you know what? Like maybe, maybe that's part of, you know, Dutch's thing. Like he just kind of like had a feeling because you know the whole time they're interpreting some stuff through through Chavez or through Dylan and his you know Spanish one on one classes and in, in, in high school, um, but at some point yeah Dutch just kind of comes right, right out and says it like talk you know and she just starts talking English speaking English
1: uh, and there's also that point where they all stop becoming when that's when they when they're all in it together you know he cuts her free and is like okay we've all you know you can't make it without us. Like we're all in this together at this point. You're no longer a prisoner. You're part of this, right? And so that probably helped, kind of, you know, get her into the into the fold.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, the moment she becomes a a part of the team, she uh, what she do? She gives more information, you know, you know. And uh, when you you guys must have wounded it because his blood was out there, and then we get the great line: "If it bleeds, we can kill it."
2: Yeah, I mean that is that's a, a turning point in the movie for her character and just for the movie in general. Because yeah. Now, the hunter could become the hunted at some point. Um, and let's just talk about Dutch. Uh, you know, obviously Arnold. One of my favorite Arnold roles, easily. Very believable. And, you know, you could. it's almost surprising that they've not backed up enough money for him to reprise that character
1: yet. Yeah. yeah, which I find surprising, especially now, you know, and they and there's no shame in kind of retconning sequels for some of those older films to kind of come back and just make things simpler. They've done it with a few others to where you could you could do a really cool kind of, I think, sequel based just a direct sequel to the original where in true fashion of how things are nowadays, everything's kind of been washed over as just being this conspiracy theory, this aliens conspiracy theory that this. Covert mission happened, and it's all been hush hush and everything. And you can kind of work Arnold back into it that way, as you know, the Predator returns or something like that. um Yeah, I mean, it seems like an odd place for him to draw a line and say, "I won't do this," unless they haven't asked. But I have to assume they've asked. There's no way they haven't asked.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that 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 Lawrence Fishburne character from Predators was was you know a hint that it could have easily been written for Arnold. Um, and and you know, I'm actually on my knees praying that he doesn't come back because I've watched the Terminator films he's done recently and I am not a fan.
2: Yeah. I mean, it is that thing where this, uh, you know, this movie's almost so perfect that yes. anything he does, even if it's good, it's going to be a step down and maybe it, he realizes that or again, uh, but money usually does
0: talk in these situations,
2: which is why we have how many Terminator movies.
0: Right. And, and, but the joy of the predator character or characters is they're all different is that you don't have to have a, it doesn't have to be in a continual timeline, just like the new film coming out titled Prey. It's in uh, what 1800s, you know, Western North America, you've got like Comanches fighting against a freaking predator. That to me sounds wonderful. I love it. Um, You know, the predators have been coming here for hundreds of years. We've already found that out. Um, they go to places that are hot. We've we've learned that. Um, I mean, the, the the good predator movies don't need a lot to back them up. You know, predators go and they hunt people. They hunt the most dangerous game, and it's really hot. So, do I really need Dutch to be in another one?
1: Uh, they, I they go to they
0: go to colon alien versus predator. <laughs> yeah, that's why that movie fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So uh, while we're while we're on the topic of all these okay. sequels, while uh, we all agree none of them live up to this one, what is your favorite Predator sequel?
0: Oh, well, I mean Predator Two is the closest they come, I think, and because it it's simple, you know, you don't have it's again, it's not a, a difficult movie. It, you know, uh, it took me a lot of years to get behind Danny Glover as a hero in that movie, and 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 now I can appreciate it more than I ever did, but. I mean, predators is there's fun. There's fun in that. But the reason I didn't like alien versus predator was just the, they just try so damn hard and uh, there's, there's pyramids and there's fucking Antarctica. Like why would the predator? And, and, you, and you can give me this bullshit about how like, Oh, it used to be hot here. Really? How long ago was it hot here? Um, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it, it takes away some of those really early defining things about the predator, which it really pissed me off.
1: Yeah. I think, I think what you said predators was probably, it's probably my favorite of all the sequels. I, I just thought it was, I don't want to say the truest to the original, but like a group of people in the wilderness being hunted kind of matched the original. Um, Adrian Brody, I think is pretty good. And then I like the kind of idea of Lawrence Fishman's yeah. character. And we see some unique kind of variations of, but with not with like completely, you know, breaking the wheel when it comes to the super predator or right. alien predators or something like that. So that's probably my favorite of the sequels.
0: It's a simple idea too, because they're like, oh, we just uh, you know predators love to hunt people. So every once in a while, they just get a bunch of dangerous people and put them on this random planet and hunt them. They're like, ah, oh, that's pretty badass. And there's you know very graphic violence in it, so that helps.
2: Would it disturb you to know that
1: I've never seen that movie? No, no. It's it's new enough to to be in your realm of not even giving it a (laughs) thing. You you weren't. I mean, you kind of had some moments you liked about the most recent one, though the Shane Black one.
2: Yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't love it, but I did not despise it like so many out there did and do, and probably always will. I mean, it was. You know, again, that there you have the kid aspect, which. Goes against what this one that we're talking about did, and you had a lot of just extra crap that you didn't really need. Um, so yeah, I guess by default, Predator 2 would be my favorite sequel. Um, but again, it's been so long since I've seen it, I really need to revisit that one because it I did have a quite the all star cast in there, and it, it proved the you know, Predator could show up anywhere, and which you know, we're, we're as long as it's hot,
0: and it's it's you know, and you'll, I think, upon a rewatch, you'll find that it's as close to the original as you're going to find in, in a different setting. Of course, you know, it's not the jungle. It's the freaking concrete jungle, but it's, uh, it's yeah. It in recent years, I've learned to love it even though I didn't as a kid.
2: Yeah. It make, it kind of has a little bit of that Halloween three aspect. Like oh, Arnold's not going to be on it. Screw it. it. It's not a predator movie. Mm-hmm. So if you can get over that though, it yeah, there's a good action movie right there in front of you. But-
0: And they try to tie it together with the brief scene. Of course, we've got Gary Busey in that one. And, you know, we've still got kind of the feds controlling this whole narrative about the Predator and, you know, like trying to sweep it under the rug. But, yeah, there's a it's it's very good, but it's nowhere near the level of the original, of course.
2: And let's talk about the Predator himself. Kevin Peter Hall, you mentioned earlier, originally was going to be Jean-Claude Van Damme with some weird like insect looking outfit uh but kevin peter hall and that revamped predator costume one of the scariest villains in in action movie history
1: yeah it's it's kind of the jaws effect in a way where you know the the jaws animatronic was so problematic it wouldn't work that's one of the reasons that you don't see it through most of the film and it actually makes the film better same here i mean You know, there was obviously the -the behind-the-scenes stuff about not being able to get the suit right, not making it look right, how much could it do on set. And I think some of that tied their hands and kind of forced them to get creative. And, you know, again, not a single film nowadays would have the guts to not reveal the monster to us until the third act fully, you know, to get a full, full body look with first with the helmet on and then with the helmet off. To wait till the third act to do that um, is really bold. I think the maybe the closest thing I've come to can think of it is the Godzilla remake in like 2014 when yeah. you know you don't fully see Godzilla till later in the film and people were like pissed about it. So uh, you definitely can't do that now but and again some of that's the jaws effect but I think it definitely plays into the movie and when they finally reveal him uh you know after we've been sneaking around and seeing bits and glimpses for the past hour and a half it really pays off.
0: Yeah and I think that much like jaws like you said it, it you know we we get to see what the predator sees we get that predator that awesome predator vision um through so much of the film before when before we finally get the reveal but we also like you know you're, you're kind of in a way getting into the mind of the predator a little bit right we're seeing what he sees we're watching him uh learn about his prey uh wh- what do we know about hunters in real life they use camouflage they use an assortment of weapons well the predator has all that he has camouflage he has an assortment of weapons. So. It's like how do we make him look cool? Stan Winston and his dudes just fucking knocked it out of the ballpark. Um, and, and not only does he look awesome, and then like later on we get the double reveal of he takes his mask off, and you're like, holy shit, he got even cooler somehow. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's uh, to me, he's the uh, maybe the coolest creature I've ever seen on screen. It's hard to find one that that still
1: plays as well as that. All these years later, you know, if that if that exact character design and prosthetics and costume was in a movie today for the first time and like erase, you know, erase all of our memories and it it shows up in a movie today, it would be renowned and everyone would love it like that. That's a classic timeless look that, you know, will always be relevant in play.
2: And even the, 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 the predator vision, that visual effect that they use for how the predator sees everything. I mean, we've seen that copied in other movies after this. Uh, It's, yeah. Very unique and, and very, you know, just something that like you never had seen before uh, in a movie.
1: If I'll make one critique, please do. It's that in that final fight with Arnold, they maybe go a little heavy on the Predator vision <laughs> to where, like, you know, as opposed to actually seeing like a fight scene, it's just like a blurry red Arnold swinging his head back and forth and then. We cut to like him all bloodied, but that's it. That's it. That's like my only critique. I'll, I'll go sit back down now.
0: And you know, there, there are several things uh, in the film that would have been a little bit different. I think that had, had the, had the version that they wanted to put out there been made. Uh, It might've been a little bit different. I know that the, the original assault on that, uh, you know, the rebels, whatever that little, that little village was at the beginning. Originally, there was like an extra minute added to that. So there's a minute of footage out there that we haven't seen, but it was taken out because it was so damn violent. Release
1: the village cut.
0: Exactly. So, it, And and Brain, I don't know if you know this. I, I honestly did not know this until just a couple of days ago. Craig R. Baxley was the second unit director on this.
2: If I knew it, I have forgotten it. That is I, a, you know, not surprising, though. I mean, we we've talked greatly about how Yes. Amazing, he is,
0: and it was because of this film um, that we would get Action Jackson after this, because Ooh. because the studios, he Craig R. Baxley did he did the, the entire sequence at the village, so the entire gunfight. They said, "Hey, he, you get some ideas for this," and he he drew them all up, wrote them down, whatever, and they said, "Go for go with it." And he was only able to shoot that scene with one actor at a time. So that's why you don't see a lot of the, you know, two actors or three actors together in any of the scenes. Uh, because he, they would send him one guy and send Carl Weathers and he would shoot those parts and they'd send him, you know, Jesse and then he'd shoot those parts. So, um, So it was like The Expendables. It was just like The Expendables. You only see (laughs) one of them. (laughs) Uh, But it was, I mean, it's a really bizarre story that you would shoot that sequence without all the guys there, but um, they were off doing other scenes and what have you. But he said he had an extra minute of footage that he couldn't put in there because it was too violent. And he had all these stunt guys lighting themselves on fire and like most of it never made the film.
2: And uh, a Predator poster pops up in Action Jackson, so a little homage Ooh. to uh, what got him the job, I guess.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. Noah brought you there. That's right.
2: All right, guys. Let's talk favorite scenes. Ryan Campbell, since you're the guest, why don't you go first?
1: One of my favorite scenes, I guess, to go uh, is, is I think when uh, Billy's character just lays it all down at the at the crossroads there so everyone can get away. He kind of, like, strips down all the weaponry because, you know, this is just him battling, you know, the, the, the unbreakable spirit or the unbreakable force that's trying to stop them all. It's just a really cool moment for that character who's been pretty chill and pretty, like, you know, attuned to everything that's been going on. Uh, it doesn't last long. He gets easily uh, dispatched, but just that moment, you know, any, any kind of I'll hold the bridge while all my friends escape scene is always a nice moment, and that one I think was well earned for that character.
2: Chad Cruz
0: uh, favorite scene I think I'm going to have to go with the the long tall Sally scene. Uh, I I love you know I love kind of delving into the the moments before shit hits the fan. I I, I love that because. I think that that you know you see people act, react, and act differently, in moments where you're about to be in a really bad situation, and and I think it's great on the chopper. We've got the music blaring, um, we've got all those all those incredible shots of these helicopters flying over the jungle, and uh, and you just get so much character, you know whether it's Hawkins telling jokes or Blaine spitting his you know his his chaw on the. Dylan's boot, or Dylan, you know, talking about the good old days, stuff like that. You just get Max back there shaving. Everybody's got something cool. Vagina jokes. Vagina, man of a thousand vaginas. Just so many great things in that scene, and it's probably my favorite of all time.
2: I gotta go. My favorite scene is just where they just unload the web, after Blaine dies and Mac gets old painless, and they just light up the jungle. I mean, that yeah. is.
1: That would have been a fun day on set.
2: <laughs> that, yeah, just I mean, th- this is a movie that I was fortunate enough to see in the theater, and to just, yeah, the the scene you talked about—that long, tall Sally just grabs you right by at the beginning. That music blaring, and then just that sound of that of those guns just going off, and Mac just still has his finger on the trigger even when he's out of <laughs> out of rounds. It just, and you just hear the hum of that gun. It's it's an amazing. I mean, just. That's 80s action right there. If you could, yeah. had to have one scene represent 80s
1: action, I think it would be that scene.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: I also like the one where at, towards the end there where Dutch is hiding and he's trying to lure in. He kind of pulls one over on the Predator when he's acting like, come and kill me, come and kill me. And the Predator's like, oh, nope, I'm not going to fall in for that. I'm going to go around to the back. And then he had a, the track that was actually set around the back anyway. And we've watched the Predator get one up on all these characters for like an hour and a half now. So for... Finally see like the, the side switch was a, that's a cool moment too. Honorable mention. <laughs> yeah. And the mud too, you know, where he covers himself in
2: the mud so the predator vision can't see him. I mean, that's right. all those little details makes it so cool and really builds up to that big, that big moment. And that, what you just talked about where he uh, gets, he really outsmarts the predator that time.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, you get to see as the predator g- comes towards him in that scene, you know, he's kind of going underneath that log, and he feels the the little pointy spikes that he put on there, and you can almost see it going through his mind like, what the hell is this? And then of course he makes a decision to go around uh, that little crevice there that he's in, and of course the fucking log drops on his head, so stellar.
2: That'll give you a negative attitude. That's uh, right. How about the
1: score? I feel like that's uh, something that's... I was is... just about to go there. Roger. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Oh. I feel like, you know, it's underrated, which is hard to say because the, the theme is iconic. We all know the theme. But even throughout the whole film, and then when you start thinking about the movies of this time, you know, the Jaws, Star Wars, some of those other ones that have iconic themes, you don't really hear Predator mentioned, mention, but, but it has a, an excellent score throughout the entire film.
2: Yeah, and, well, and uh, when Blaine... You know that that whole the fallen mm-hmm. soldier song that he does there, and uh, I know that's not the name of it, and I, I can look that up real quick. But yeah, Alan Silvestri, just
1: a beautiful piece of music. It's almost it's not quite Taps, but it's like a, that's what they're playing right. of off of. Yeah,
0: right. And and we get it we get it again. I don't know if it's the same song, but at the very end, as Dutch stands in the yeah. just in, in the rubble, and then of course they they light relighten the mood at the very end with the sitcommy uh cast kind of thing at the end.
2: Yes, those end credits. That's awesome. I, it's, it's that's the great thing. You know, in, in all these all these movies that I could watch over and over again, it's always like, well if I could just watch to this part there's always just well I gotta watch this part. I got yeah. I gotta see those end credits. So I'm gonna watch the whole damn movie. Just because right. those end credits like you said, and how many people have done parodies with putting family matters over top the uh predator See, Which it's
1: just it's just one of those things where I want to be in the edit bay when that decision was made. And and someone was like, yeah, yeah. You you really want to end the movie this way? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I can I can usually tell uh if someone really loves Predator, if I ask them, Okay, uh remember the character Billy? Yeah, yeah. What was his primary weapon? And then someone's like, Oh, he had a shotgun, or he had he had a you know it, M sixteen with a shotgun under it, like, oh okay. Well what was uh what was Blaine's? What was you know what did Dylan have when he was killed? What did you know what I mean? Like you can like you can almost see these visuals in your mind of not only the characters themselves, but like what weapon system they were carrying. That's so cool. And that's Chad, so,
1: Chad's that, over here gatekeeping predator fans.
0: He he is. That's
2: <laughs> something Chad does a lot of. Uh <laughs> And that song that I was referring it just simply called Goodbye, which is a fitting oh. title. Uh, obviously very fitting for the end credits there too, until we get to the, to our sitcom end credits uh, portion. So any uh, final thoughts you want to say about this fantastic movie, Chad Cruz?
0: It is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, Beloved. I've seen it. I don't know how many times, a lot. And uh, my, my very first copy that I ever owned was a, a was again on VHS but it was recorded off TV and there was one commercial that I missed and it was a Rikert commercial Rikert Ford and I'll never forget it uh, and yeah I mean just an incredible movie It's to me it's the perfect film the score, the music, the sound effects uh, iconic villain um, just so great and I, I don't have enough words to, to describe how, how much I love it and uh I'm glad we did a podcast on it. Cause it, and I was due for another rewatch. It's been a little while, so it's perfect. Perfect timing.
2: Yeah. And with the 35th anniversary, uh, yeah, I, I, I popped it on and uh, it's never a bad decision. Never a bad decision. If you decide to watch predator, whether it's an anniversary or it's just for the hell of it. And that's what I did. And, uh, Yeah, again, I I think this one edges out Commando ever so slightly as my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And uh, you know that's saying something, too, because Commando is pretty freaking awesome. And we covered that one earlier this year, for those of you who want to check that out in the archives. Um, But Ryan Campbell, what do you have to say? Uh, Final thoughts on Predator.
1: Yeah, it's in that rare upper tier of just perfect movies. Uh, When you think of ones like, you know, I think Last Crusade is one that we both agree is a perfect movie. But just one of those... On there, just no, like again, nothing you could change about it. It's perfect, like you said, no wasted movement. It's one of the one of the few movies that I really wish I could go back in time and, and just see with fresh eyes. Because by the time I had seen it growing up, you know, it I had seen the the Predator character before. I was aware of some of the key lines, get to the chopper stuff like that. So like when you went in and watched it, it was it's a great movie. But like I've seen a lot of it. I, to, I, to put myself in the shoes of someone going into a movie theater with very little to go on, maybe you've seen a trailer, even then trailers didn't really show too much, maybe there's a poster with just a little bit on it, and to sit there and watch that film with no expectations for the first time, that's an experience I really regret that I never got to have, and I wish I could for this film, because it's such a great film.
2: Yeah, and you, you made great points there, Ryan, because I did have the opportunity, and going in, I knew very little And I am also glad that you said get to the chopper, because if we didn't mention that on this podcast, we'd probably be banished from the action (laughs) community. So, yeah, get to the chopper. Chad, you do it. You've got it. Go! Get to the chopper! Yeah, because there you go. And the other thing, though, I remember WWF actually on TV had the I Ain't Got Time to Bleed scene. You know, they showed that clip to uh, promote it. Uh, so there's the other line that we probably better say, um, you got time to duck old uh, poncho <laughs> delivering those lines. Like they yeah. were just natural,
0: just natural lines. yep.
2: All right. Well, there it is. Predator 35 years. Where has the time gone? Give it a watch. Thank you for listening to us talk about it. But uh, let's talk a little bit about BulletproofAction.com, something new each and every day. I know we're right in the middle of the Disney Plus series Obi-Wan that uh, you're covering for us, uh, surprisingly Ryan Campbell. And uh, how have you liked uh, Obi-Wan so far?
1: Oh, this may shock you, but it's fantastic. Right? I think it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, for any fans of the prequels, um, even whether, you know, genuine fan or a kind of uh you know remember them as being hokey but still kind of love them it's like almost a direct sequel to that you're gonna love this series if you like the prequels or even any of it you're gonna love it so it's really good yeah we're halfway through uh celebration was last week they announced so much content there's tons of star wars content coming there's a bunch more marvel content that's gonna start coming throughout the summer so i'm gonna be busy
2: chad cruz uh Anything you're planning over there on your end of the world? I know you're talking about a little, maybe some Obi-Wan content for our YouTube channel.
0: I I would love, I would love to have a little piece of the Obi-Wan Star Wars, Disney action myself. Uh, I I, I don't know. There's, you know, I make lots of plans and I I don't always have the opportunity to, to fulfill them. So I don't want to, I don't want to lead the people too far into, into my thoughts because some of them just end up just burning away. That
2: they die on the vine.
0: They just Uh, die on the vine. Yeah.
2: Well, you can also check out bulletproofaction.com. I know uh, Christy Petrillo will be covering The Boys for us. That's returning to Amazon Prime, or it's already returned oh, yeah, as, as, you, as you're reading this. And uh, also, most recently, you could check it out. We pay tribute to the 40th anniversary of Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. I've done a piece on that, so you could check that out as well. And, uh, Jurassic, uh,
1: Jurassic World Dominion coming up
2: here, too, next week. It is coming out. Yeah, so that's another one that we'll be covering. And maybe, just maybe, rumor has it we might get an RTG review. I'm not, I'm not gonna hold my breath, but that's the rumor, Chad.
0: I, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm All hoping right. for it. I am too, because you know what? Well, you can probably know why. Uh, I think, I think I had like a 15 posts on the uh, schedule this month, so.
0: Get to work get, then. What the hell are you doing right now?
2: Get ready for some uh, Tarzan, everybody. <laughs> I won't tell
0: you which one, but there's going to
2: be some A-team. Tarzan. More 18.
0: So, <laughs> what? More a team.
2: Nah, not eight, not yet. Action A-Team.
0: Hey, you know what show I've been watching recently? What's that? Jesus, this show is so badass. I did not know it existed till recently. It's I hope I didn't cover it. in Mid '90s science fiction, uh, space. Above and Beyond. Does anybody oh, remember
2: that show? I don't know. What? Is, Holy what is it?
0: Who's in it? Yeah, no, no one I know. Okay. It's it was on Fox. It was in the midnight, like ninety five. I want to say. So it, it probably had
1: like two seasons.
0: It had one season, and it was canceled. And it is sounds all right for Fox. Yep, and it, and and I no lie, I would say that uh, you could watch the pilot, and you will know one hundred percent whether you like it or not. But it it's all on YouTube. But it is. As much, it's as close as you get to Starship Troopers, the movie, the first one. But you take away the uh, the political satire, it's just uh, a group of kind and of nudity space, Take away the nudity and political satire, and you've got these like space marines fighting against this alien force. It is phenomenal.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's got Chad Cruz written all over it.
0: Oh, I love it. I'm I'm only like three episodes in, and I'm already. I'm well, perhaps you could it.
2: write a retrospective on it when you get through with the uh, complete
1: series. Do what you should be watching. That's, that's never, exactly what you should be watching is for.
0: I'll never remember what happened in the beginning. Okay, It'll take me two years to finish it all, probably.
2: All right, well, if Bulletproof Action is still alive in two years, uh, <laughs> I know it's no going to be alive for at least one more year because the renewals are starting to hit. And oh, <laughs> so, God. So we're, we're at least committed for another year. Decisions uh, must be made. <laughs> yeah so here we go all right all right well if nobody has anything else oh i probably should tell you check us out on social media bulletproof pod on twitter and at bulletproof action on instagram and facebook because you know if i didn't do that i probably wouldn't be able to live with myself as i was editing this uh episode talking about the great predator of 1987 all right guys thank you so much we'll be back soon chad i don't know what we're going to cover next it's going to be a but i got something special planned in july
0: yes excellent
2: so the next one though who knows we might ask you to pick it for us people because we're just lazy i don't know yet all right guys job for us do exactly somebody do some work around here all right guys thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening and as always stay tuned for more of the bulletproof podcast